Hey Crack fans, producer Daniel Westoff here with a quick disclaimer. We recently invested in some new audio equipment at Cracked Rackets and haven't learned just yet what the right levels are for recording over the phone. If you listen to the Great Shot podcast Sweet 16 preview, you know what I mean. I just wanted to give a quick warning that the last 15 minutes of this interview has some pretty buzzy audio levels, but we didn't want to cut it because of some great stories that were told. Just know that we are currently working on this issue, and we hope that the rest of the podcast going forward will have even better audio than we've had in the past. Now, enjoy the episode. As you can hear, Dalton is out. I am still in. It is your host, Alex Gruskin. You know, we've got a lot of good things. In fact, what isn't going on on the Crack Rackets website? If you've been following along, you know it's that time of year. It's May Madness, our favorite college tennis. And, you know, we've got all of the highlights covered for you. We've got Matt Stachowiak and Ryan Cardiff recapping our favorite matches of the weekend, talking about the upsets. You know, I thought Stanford was in control, and I actually fell asleep because Fawcett, Kumar, Famba, Wilchinski, all cruising. And I was like, oh, Stanford's going in. My picks are going to look good. And then, of course, Ole Miss upsets Stanford and throws everyone's bracket into chaos. So if you haven't followed that match, go check that out. And again, go check out those recaps on the website. On the podcast front, you know we've got content coming your way. If you haven't, go like and subscribe to Great Shot Podcast. Obviously, I'm biased, but you can also like and subscribe and, you know, tell your friends about cracked interviews as well. A lot of great content out and all of those on the interview front. We've had recent ones with Dennis Kudla, Mikhail Torbergard, Petros Krisokos, which we learned how to pronounce on the podcast. And just a ton of fun guests. If you haven't, go check out our next gen episodes as well. On the GSP front, in case you have not heard, Max Rothman is Europe bound for the next seven weeks. Before he left, we got a couple episodes in. We reviewed ATP Houston. We broke down our next-gen guys into tiers to kind of set the scene for the rest of the season. And, of course, you know, we're reviewing the college tennis. We recently had on former UNC All-American Jack Murray to talk about our college tennis preview, which we should be getting up pretty soon if it's not up already. You know, it's funny because our Georgia picks were very much made on that podcast and obviously Georgia lost as well. So I was happy that didn't come out too late. But nevertheless, go check out all of our fun stuff tonight. We've got a really fun interview, obviously sticking with our college tennis theme. We're bringing on Michigan State assistant coach Harry Jaden. Uh, if you haven't listened to us before, you know I'm a Michigan guy, but really excited to hear Harry's story. He had an incredible career that's actually ended with him now coaching his Michigan State team. So really excited. Obviously, stick around for that episode coming to you next. But again, check out the website. Like and subscribe to Pods. And, you know, tell your friends about us. I promise you, they'll like us. I mean, you've made it this far and you obviously have good taste. So if they're your friends, they will certainly like this content. Before we get to the episode, we're going to bring you one quick sponsorship, though. So stick around. 
Alex, I'll be honest, I haven't said it to you much, but I really don't like your fashion off the court. What, you think I wear too many tennis clothes? You know, it's, I mean, yes, but <laughs> it's not that you wear too much tennis clothing. It's just you're not wearing the right type of tennis clothing. What do you mean? There's a specific brand I should be wearing? You clearly haven't heard of the new tennis clothes company called Cross Court Threads. Cross Court Threads, is that going to be something with knitting? No, not exactly, although they do use high-quality material. In fact, they have some pretty unbelievable designs on their website. You're the one who criticizes my clothing, so uh, I'll leave the design choices up to you. What do they got? They've got an awesome Rebel Legend tee with the all-famous Andre Agassi on it, rocking the nice lechuga out the back. Lechuga? Oh, my god. Oh, let gosh. me tell you, he's got some beautiful flow. They've also got a nice 40 love hat with some beautiful cursive. What about for the truckers out there? Any trucker hats? Oh, yeah, they've got a trucker hat. A beautiful logo trucker hat with the Cross Threads logo on it. And, you know, I keep it low-key, but sometimes I wear leggings on the courts. Anything for me? They've got some racer leggings that look perfect for that nice round butt of yours. Goes up to XXL? <laughs> that it does. <laughs> awesome. Well, you know, Maxie, while my USTA player number may still be active, I consider myself more in the retired phase, more analyst than player. If there is a way for me to be an Instagram ambassador for cross-court threads, you know, maybe flaunt the gear I'm wearing, not necessarily pick the designs. Is there a program for me to do that? You can be a brand ambassador in the brand ambassador program. Look, it's a four-month program. And you seem like the perfect candidate as someone who's a frequent wearer of tennis. I clothes. mean, it sounds like the program for me. Where can I apply? You can apply right on their website, crosscourtthreads.com. And check this out. If you subscribe to their email list, you'll get 10% off. It's crosscourtthreads.com. That it is, crosscourtthreads.com. Crosscourtthreads.com. You know what, Alex? I liked that bit the first time, but let me just remind the listeners, it's crosscourtthreads without the dash. Just crosscourtthreads.com. I know what you're getting me for my birthday. Oh, yeah? What is that? Crosscourtthreads.com. Welcome back, crack fans. As you can tell, Dalton Fienemann is out. Your new host, Alex Gruskin, is in. I have been promoted to the captain's chair. It's like Riker taking over for Jean-Luc Picard. And I know there are a lot of Star, Star Trek and Tennis Cross fans out there, so hopefully you guys get that reference. I'm so happy to be on this podcast. Obviously, a ton is going on in the tennis world. We've got ATP results everywhere. You've got Zverev winning over in I think it's Italy. He's out there. Who knows at this point? But Zverev's doing well. A ton of great women's results. And then, of course, it's May Madness. It's college tennis season. And that's what it's all about here at Cracked Rackets. You know, and in the theme of college tennis, we are so happy to bring in today's guest. He is a former Michigan State All-American and the current assistant coach of the team. Westoff, I need you to cue the lions roaring. I think I hear a tornado siren in the background. Oh, my gosh, it's a fire truck because it's Michigan State assistant coach Harry J. Dune. Harry, welcome to the Crack Interviews podcast. Alex, thanks for having me. Excited to be here and uh, everybody out there listening. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> well, you know, I was reading up on you and I heard you were the Spirit Award winner at uh, Michigan State your freshman year. So I thought I'd have to match that energy from the get go. There you go. I love it. Yeah. That was <laughs> a long time ago, back when I was young and uh, dumb, I guess. Yeah, young and reckless, we'll call it. Uh, exactly. I, I, you're your own soap opera star. I like it. But, you know, for, for our Cracked Interviews fans who don't know about you, obviously you are a Michigan State tennis coach now. Before that, you were a tremendous player. Uh, could you talk to us a little bit about how you got into the game? Yeah. Uh, so I uh, I grew up in East Lansing, Michigan. So I kind of 
was born with green and white in my veins. But uh, I, uh, I, I started to interrupt, but I went to the University of Michigan. I uh, grew up in the Franklin area, so you know, I'm a Bloomfield Hills Michigan guy. So I was all maize and blue. So it's you know it's funny, opposite sides of the state that happens. Yeah, after this podcast, we'll have a conversation about. It. <laughs> uh, no, I kind of I, I grew up playing just about every sport. You know, I played uh, lacrosse, soccer, basketball, uh, floor hockey. Um, and, and I loved them. I kind of tried everything. And, and one thing that happened is my mom saw some kids playing tennis, uh, one day and she said, Hey, that might be a good thing for the kids to try. And my, uh, my dad kind of like looked at her crazy because, uh, he knew kind of the cost that went into playing tennis with all the rackets and equipment. And you got to travel for tournaments if you want to be a good competitive player and all those good things. But somehow my mom, um, got my brother who was five years older than me, Cyrus, uh, into the game. And me being a younger brother, my brother was five years older. He could do no wrong. I kind of was just like a tag along. So he would be hitting on the court, taking a lesson. And I would just be in the back hitting off the wall or something like that. And, uh, I mean, after a while I continued playing other sports, but, uh, I just, I don't know, maybe it was just because I was a servant volleyer, but I, I really enjoyed the game. Didn't have to hit too many ground strokes, got to the net a lot. And it really just stuck. And, and, uh, I just like the discipline of, you know, you had to sacrifice a lot, but, uh, on match days, it, it, it really felt good when you got the result that you put hours and hours and hours in, you lost sleep about, and you really, uh, I mean, did things like change your diet. And, uh, I guess just feeling that reward and putting in all, the, all that hard work made the, made, made me love the game. Well, I'll say this, you know, you may have changed your diet, but this body is still 70% Reese's. So, uh, you know, that's probably why you were able to play college tennis and I was not. Um, I also come from a family of three brothers. I happen to be the middle child and we have a Harry in our family, my little brother, Nikki, who's the prodigy. Uh, nice. But you talk about, you know, being a tag along and how influential was playing with your brothers, just getting being able to have someone to go out on the court with all the time. Yeah. And, and not only did I have somebody to go out on the court with, but I had two older brothers. So every time that I went out on the court with them, I was getting a good practice and they were getting a bad practice. <laughs> so that was that, that definitely helped me in my development. But uh, I mean, also just just the fact that they were competitive in the sport and I. I, don't, I just hated the feeling of living in somebody else's shadow because I would walk on the court and everybody would say, oh, you're Cyrus's brother. You're Cyrus's brother. Um, and just kind of a, a story that goes along with that. I remember the, uh, the match where I earned All-American status uh, at Michigan State. Um, we won in the quarterfinals against a good uh, South Florida team. And the first person I texted was my brother Cyrus because he uh, – he was a division three All-American at Kalamazoo College, and he reached the quarterfinals of the NCAA tournament for division three. So I had been hearing all this time, like, oh, I'm an All-American. You can't beat that. I don't care if you're D1. I'm an All-American. <laughs> I kind of gave him a little action because then I became a D1 All-American and <laughs> shadow a little bit. Oh, I love that. I mean, that's half the fun of being the younger brother is getting to get those accomplishments above your older. I have to ask you, Adam, Cyrus, step on the court right now. Who takes home the W? Who leaves crying? What's the scenario? Well, uh, my middle brother, Adam, who's about two years older than me, he's currently out of all sports because he gets a little too intense with pickup basketball and he's dislocated <laughs> his shoulder. He's <laughs> so, finally going to get surgery for that. So he's out. Uh, Cyrus is probably enjoying a little too much beer down in Denver because that's where he's living. <laughs> uh, he might have me in cardio because uh, their air is a little bit thinner, but I think I got him. 
Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, as the assistant coach, I would hope that's the answer. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm totally down to hear that. You know, don't count out Adam. Us middle children, we have to fight. The little brother is the prodigy. The oldest is the first time through. We just kind of, you know, roll along. So everything we get, we make on our own. So I, I sympathize with Adam. We're fighters. Yeah, no. And, and Adam was a guy who would literally get in a fist fight on the court. So he definitely fought really? Oh, is there is there a story there maybe related to your high school tennis experience? Well, he I mean, it wasn't high school tennis, but we were playing the Midwest Close, which is the, the biggest Midwest tournament of the year, kind of our sectional championships. Of course, of course. Three time participant, a, not to brag. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And, and he was playing a kid who, I mean, they played like three or four times and it was just one of those kids that rubbed in the wrong way. And he rubbed the other guy the wrong way. And it was the it was like the second game of the match. And and, and Adam hit a serve. The other kid called a let on a first serve. So a lot, of, a lot of people would think that is a non-substantial call. Even if the ball didn't hit the net cord, you kind of just go with it. You play the point over. But Adam wasn't taking it. Charged the net. Uh, <laughs> as, 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 as tennis players do, acted like he was going to start a fight, but never really did. But uh, <laughs> he's probably the first person in history to try and start a fist fight over a let call. I think the most incredible part is that he dropped the racket. He didn't bring a weapon. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's come on. Like it's tennis fight 101. It's the classy version of tennis fights. I like it a lot. Uh, but, you know, you, you talk about growing up in a family atmosphere around tennis. Uh, you know, again, I'm a Michigan guy as well. So we played this damn high school format where it's 12-man teams. And like you, I was fortunate enough to have my older brother on the team for two years. Uh, can you talk about a high school tennis? Because, you know, I again, I saw... Uh, I believe it's called Jaden's Journey on YouTube, which kind of documents your time through tennis. And I recommend it to all of our fans. But like you mentioned, you know, tennis wasn't always your biggest passion. So I'm curious, was playing team tennis at the high school level influential in your love of the game? Yeah, I, 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 I genuinely believe that like the, the format of junior tennis really does a disservice to tennis in general, because I mean, outside of maybe one to two tournaments of a year, like Zonals is a big one. Um, a lot of it's individual and, and that means traveling a lot on your own and the, and your best friend is your, is your, your parents who are probably 30 or 40 years older than you. And, uh, as a kid, that's kind of not what you want to be doing because if you go play baseball, you're traveling with a team, if you go play basketball, you're traveling with your buddies. Um, and I kind of had a love hate relationship with tennis. I really enjoyed it, but I hated missing time with friends and, 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 uh, missing school dances and things like that. Uh, but I think I found a good happy medium there uh, when I played for the East Lansing team because number one we were pretty good, which was which was a lot of fun because <laughs> just about every year we were contending for a state title, and and not many teams can say that, and and you get really close when you're really working towards a goal that you guys all want, and and then just the bus rides. I remember uh, we would we would sometimes travel with like a soccer team. And we would kind of be going back and forth, chirping each other and things like that. So, I mean, that really, I mean, solidified it for me where I really wanted to play tennis uh, at a collegiate level. And that's kind of how things went about at Michigan State, because I was a bit of a knucklehead at the court, on the court. But Coach Orlando kind of just gave me a shot, said, hey, you get about a semester here to kind of prove yourself. And and, and at Michigan State, I just I just decided, man, I, I loved high school tennis. I'm going to continue to play. I know my level might not be there right now, but I really want to contribute on the court for a big school. And, and, and I want to just keep getting better and better. And, 
and help help my brothers out in the in the in the in the uh, meantime, if that makes sense. So, oh, it, it definitely does. And I do want to get back to your college decision, but before that, you made a comment there saying you don't like the way junior development is. You know, fast forwarding a little bit, I know you spent time at the new training center in Orlando and. Being a coach now, you know, you're so involved in the development of junior tennis players. Would you prefer to see team tennis you know, further incorporated at the junior level? And, you know, this may be a stretch, but if so, do you know how, you know, how could we incorporate that better as a sport? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I definitely think it, it would it would help everybody out from parents who finally get to hang out with other parents at tournaments and, and, and kind of travel together. <laughs> a great hidden point. I had never thought of that. That's so true. Yeah. And uh yeah, I, I mean, I haven't thought too much about a format, but I mean, you could even do something like like zonals, but have it year round or or the Midwest does like a team cup where every district plays with each other. Um, and maybe that's a little bit easier with travel because during the school year, it's tough, but almost run it like Davis Cup where you have the ties in the in, in the in the rubbers periodically throughout the year, you know, rather than having a one time deal, maybe have it throughout the year, three or four tournaments or three or four dual matches and, and just keep it going, keep it continuous because. I mean, I see a lot of kids who <laughs> we actually had a couple players on our team uh, who played zonals together in 12s. And they had a photo that they would always bring up when um, they were <laughs> together on the Michigan State tennis team. But I mean, they chose one of them chose to come to Michigan State. And then the other one, because of that relationship, he developed as zonals when he was 12 years old. So this is probably like six years later. They're both seniors in high school, 18 years old. That relationship they formed in that tournament, playing doubles with each other, hanging out. Uh, cheering for each other as a team. I mean, that informed their college decision and kind of solidified, hey, I want to go to Michigan State. One of my good buddies is going there. So I think just having continuous tournaments or continuous teams throughout the year would be really cool. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. It's one of the reasons I so and you know, things like the Laver Cup or obviously college tennis. And then for me personally, high school tennis was so enjoyable because, you know, in Michigan, it's you and 11 other guys, you're pushing each other in practice. You have, like you mentioned, those bus rides, that core group of friends you develop with. And yeah, it, it, you know, tennis can be such a lonely sport on the court. Yeah. And so I agree with you to have a chance to incorporate, you know, socialize yourself with other people. On a side note, I wouldn't mind if these teams are co-ed as well, because it's <laughs> divided. Yeah, but yeah, that, that's, I suppose, a, more of a personal note. Um, I love it. But, but I'm, I'm going to back you up, Alex, and this is something that we have to debate. I like and, it. I like it. If I have a problem with Michigan State's, I mean, not Mich the state of Michigan's high school tennis format, because I just don't think it's fair um, that you can tie in a dual match. So Michigan's, Michigan's high school is set up. You have four singles and four doubles. Uh, each match counts as a point. And if it goes 4-4, everybody just heads home and, you, and, you, and you, you tied up. I think that they should somehow change that up. I don't know what your thoughts are, but well, you gotta you got to have a winner and loser. I love this specified Michigan high school tennis rules debate. That's what all of our crack fans came here to listen to. But I am 100% in on this argument because – so, counterpoint. Uh, the, the bigger teams, the fact that you're allowed to incorporate you know, so many other people – uh, that's a plus to have those bigger teams. You could talk about the college format where, you know, there are three doubles and six singles, but guys can play both in Michigan. You can't do that. And I think that is an added benefit. Sure. I agree with you. You know, we don't need participation trophies. Ties are stupid. We all have five doubles teams, you know, two bench guys who can just play. Let's just have nine rubbers. Like that's not that hard. Yep. And, and, and if you're looking for ties, you can play soccer. 
Yeah, exactly. Cannot agree more. Tennis is a man, you know, it's not a man's sport for that. Not a, it's a, it's a winner's sport. You play to win. Yep. Um, and yep. so I completely agree with you, but I do want to ask you about one more thing about your high school tennis career. You know, I happen to think that tennis players, because it's an individual sport, they remember their big matches and big moments and who they were playing and just all of those things. So I want to bring our listeners back to your freshman year, 2007. You are playing three singles for the East Lansing high school team. And uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you played a match where you did not lose a single point. True. Yes. 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 And give a, there has to be a story there. There's there a huge butt to it. So I was playing three <laughs> singles for East Lansing. Um, we were playing a team from Jackson. And, and no disrespect to Jackson, but Jackson has good players that come through every once in a while. Big uh, boys. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and, and they they don't have a, a great team. And what happened was I actually had a pretty good rivalry um, with Jackson's uh, number one player. But I was playing three. And there was something going on where their three singles player um, couldn't make it to the match. It was, it was, it was a typical high school excuse. Like maybe he has like an exam the next day and just like completely bailed out on his teammates, but, or he knew he was playing you, but sure. Um, But uh, so he bailed and then they, they, instead of moving everybody up, they just slid in a uh, JV player who was more of a recreational player uh, in, into the lineup. And, yeah. So yes, I did win a match without losing a point, but I I probably should have won that match without losing a point because that guy looked like he just picked up the racket the day before and uh, got called up to the big leagues pretty early. <laughs> but I, well, I I I was super tight. Like the last, yeah, it's last, the equivalent the, of a perfect game. Yes, and, and and I had the guys behind me chirping me on my team, letting me know <laughs> you know they're getting hyped, and I'm like freaking out. <laughs> I get a couple of second serves and, and just, just kind of like, just baby him in, just baby him in. <laughs> Were you serving in balling? You mentioned that's a big part of your game. Yeah. So, so I, uh, uh, I didn't have the most fundamental ground strokes, but I mean, I, I would just bum rush the net. So I would serve in volley. Um, first serve, if I was returning the first serve, I would stay back. Second serves, I would either chip in charge or just blast it as hard as I could at their feet and try to get in. So yeah, I, uh, I essentially just tried to make my matches a backyard brawl and just made the, the tougher guy win, the guy who can handle not having a rhythm or the guy who can handle uh, lucky let cords or lucky reflex volleys, uh, let, let that guy win. So it wasn't very conventional, but I did get some results. Look, you're talking to a guy who played one doubles, you know, for there three years in Michigan high school. Yeah, I'm all about the doubles game. Uh, yeah. I, you know shameless plug here but i actually i went to country day and you know we competed a little bit as well we won uh, a couple state titles in my day so i think we could hang with your east lansing teams i've seen the rosters yes sir yes sir. Yeah. yeah we'll play that match for charity we'll get all the ones out and you know adam will have to play and you know, we'll play like one arm behind our back yes yes and, <laughs> and for all the listeners out there if you are not serving a volley and playing doubles, you are not playing doubles. You come to the <laughs> I know I know down south they teach you to serve and stay back and bang ground stroke cross court. That ain't doubles. That ain't doubles. <laughs> it, yeah, in the north we serve in volley. Yeah. That's just what we do. I completely agree. But again, one more high school thing. Part of my theory, again, you remember the matches. I want to take us back to the 2009 Division II Boys Tennis Finals at Canton Schools. We have number one seeded Harry Jaden. I believe you were a junior at the time. Uh, mm-hmm. 
number, you know, number one seed. This team is a two-time defending champion. And in the semifinals, you play a former Michigan, uh, a future Michigan State teammate. Who did you play, and what was the score? I played Ryan Richmond. Not Ryan Richmond. Oh, Doug Zade. Doug Zade. Dougie. Doug Zade. I played Doug Zade. It had to be the score had to be. It was either three and zero or zero and three. <laughs> two and two. Oh, was it two and? Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. So that, <laughs> I know, I know LeBron James in terms of remembering <laughs> the scores of my matches. Oh, that's true. That uh, yeah, yeah, that's a great. Thing. What about? Do you remember who you beat in the state finals? Because that first individual title is pretty sweet. Yeah, no, uh, I beat I beat Juan Guerra, and Juan Guerra was the one player uh, for Midland Dow, and he ended up playing at Denison. A really good kid, really good friend of mine, and I kind of felt bad because I played Juan about seven times that year in terms he was in our regionals he was in our uh, I played him at states I played him at a quad I played them in a dual match and, and just kept on finding him and I was just hot and he, and he was struggling a little bit so I beat him like four or five times but that didn't ruin our friendships <laughs> I'm glad to hear it and kind of say to hear the Michigan tennis vernacular the quads uh, oh my gosh it's this yeah. I, as a tennis nerd I'm loving it so but for our fans, we will move on now to your college decision. And a lot of our Crack Rackets fans are young players who are either just in college and maybe thinking about sticking around and not playing, or people who want to make that decision whether to play college tennis or not. You know, when you're going through that decision, you do have, you know, a ton of high school success, but tennis recruiting, you're a four-star. You know, you're not, you're not the Tommy Pauls of the world. Uh, how do you make that decision of choosing to go to college for academics or playing college tennis? Yeah, I, uh, I that's that's a that's a really good question. Um, and and for me, I think I spoke on it a little bit earlier, but just my experience with with high school tennis really made me go towards playing in college at, at a varsity level and a competitive level. Um, and I, I think it's just what what are your goals? What are your priorities? I think think if if you're deciding on on what college to go to, think about the team, the guys on the team, and, and just the vibe you get from being around their practice and being around their workouts, you know. Uh, I've been on uh, some teams that were kind of contentious, but I've also been on a lot of teams that were that were very family-oriented. And, and I think that's, that's the best because you're going to spend a lot of time with these people. There has to be a lot of positivity, a lot of good energy, a lot of enthusiasm about what you're doing, and, and a lot of belief. Um, but that being said, um, <laughs> I, there's not one person in the world who who would enjoy going to three or four six thirty a.m. workouts in the in, in in the morning and go to class after and then have practice later in the day and then have to go to study hall and then have to sleep and do it all over again unless they really love the game of tennis. So I think you really have to think about, hey, do I love this game enough to to put twenty hours in a week? Uh, because there are a lot of players that kind of choose to play tennis collegiately or choose to play tennis at a power five or a division one school where it's a huge time commitment and they don't really love the game. They kind of love the idea of being on a division one team and, and that can motivate you, but it, it also, it's, it, it's tough when you're, when you're, when you're grinding so much and putting so much into it, if you don't love what you're doing. And I, it, you know, you see so many college tennis players who, you don't want to say they flame out, but you see players who have quit the teams. You look, you know, through rosters every year, there are guys who drop out because they aren't ready for that commitment. And like you mentioned, the love of the game is so important. And in terms of 
you know, deciding what school you went to, you mentioned how find a team where it is a family mentality. Is that something where you mentioned you lived in state? Did you know the state guys going in? You know, is that where you wanted to play college tennis? Again, in that yeah. documentary, they mentioned uh, you had a few other choices and you would have actually had to walk on at state. You know, how did you come to that conclusion that state was the place for you? Um, there was a lot that went into it. I think the fact that I was really familiar with the school, uh, being growing up in East Lansing helped. Uh, I have a picture in my office today, and it's a it's Coach Orlando, the head coach, who's been at Michigan State for about 27 years. <laughs> I'm about three feet tall, barely high enough to to hold a racket, and I'm I'm standing next to him. And it was from the Nike camps from when I was a kid. So, I mean, just having that relationship with Coach Orlando, a lot of the guys on the team, um, I knew when I was very close with. Uh, and then I also had a lot of other stuff going on at home. Um, my mom was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's uh, while I was about a sophomore in high school. And while I was at Michigan State, I actually uh, stayed at home. I lived at home. I never lived in the dorms or anything like that. And 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 the big thing for me was I just I couldn't uh, leave my dad to to kind of take care of my mom all alone, uh, as my other brothers had been graduated and, and had moved out of the house. So living living at home, being close to home, being able to help out with my family while competing at such a high level and such an awesome conference uh, was, was just too much to pass up. And, and honestly, I, if I saw a kid in my shoes uh, today, I would probably tell him, hey, you should probably go somewhere where you're going to play. Um, me being a walk-on, I mean, it was, it was tough because I kind of came in. I wasn't a scholarship guy. I wasn't a guy that was promised anything on the team. Um, it was pretty much like, hey, you get a you get a semester, see what you can do. And and luckily my servant volley game ended up working and, and got me in the lineup and that was kind of the way I competed and, and got better and better. And eventually I worked my way into the singles lineup. But I think it's 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 really big that you can play where you're going to school. Uh you have to see it. And and if you're not at that level where you're gonna be in the lineup in the first couple of years, you got to be ready to to work your tail off and and really prove yourself, prove yourself, prove yourself. Because putting a lot of work in and and, and watching matches on on Saturday and Sunday in the spring is, is 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 tough for young people, and a lot of people don't like that feeling. So, I think I think those were kind of the factors that went into it. Um, I really think I stretched my playing ability and and got all the mileage I could out of my game at Michigan State, but it worked out. It really did. You know, so many things you mentioned there. I want to touch on. So the one we obviously have to start with, you mentioned your story about your mom. And if our fans haven't heard, you know, your story really is incredible. You know, you stayed at home during your time in college. You know, you pursued tennis with the knowledge that, you know, like you said earlier, she's the one who got you into the game and just playing for her, playing in East Lansing so close to home. What did that mean to you? You know, how impactful was that on your ability to, as you mentioned, not being promised anything, you know, grind through those early morning practices, all of those you know, weightlifting sessions and sacrificing maybe sleep and, you know, recreational pleasure for your you know passion for the game? Yeah, no, I, I mean, it, 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 it really meant a lot, especially because my mom was the person that, that got me into tennis and, and tennis was one of those things where she was, she was definitely a pushy parent and she was definitely a, a bear with her children. Like she really protected us and, and wanted us to be really, really good. Um, so just the ability to, I mean, at her later stages while I was ending my college career, uh, she passed away my senior year, but when she couldn't recognize much, uh, because the disease had done what the disease does, uh, Alzheimer's is a very terrible disease. Um, 
but just being able to see that smile on her face on match day uh, when I'm competing or I kind of look up to her in the stands is, was, was, was really what motivated me. And, and that's kind of the, the love that I had for the game. And, and honestly, the, <laughs> I took the losses a lot harder than I probably should have just because it meant more than a game to me. It, it really did. And it meant everything that my mom stood for. And, and I really just wanted to do her right and, and, and see how could, good I could be. And um, I think also just going through that illness with my mom helped me put a lot of stuff in perspective. You know, you hear about a lot of kids who, I mean, they they turn into teenagers and they get very snippy with their parents and they kind of go away from home and they get sick and tired of everything. But for me, that wasn't really an option. You know, I had to kind of grow up really fast and, and, and realize like, whoa, I can't really yell at my mom right now if I'm feeling moody or if I'm feeling grumpy because this is one of the last moments that I have with her. Uh, so that was really cool. And, and just the discipline. I just remember there were some days late in her illness where I would like go to an early morning workout. I would come home, feed my mom, go to class, come home, feed my mom again, and kind of just take care of her. So it was, it was, it was a lot of discipline that it took and, and, and there wasn't much room to stray. So I think that really helped me because I went through a very tough schedule. So it really helped me with, balancing everything in my life making sure that i had everything taken care of because if i didn't i wasn't the only one that was struggling my mom was struggling as well no it's truly incredible uh what you were able to accomplish with all of that and as you mentioned uh, a match i do want to talk about in depth earlier uh later on in the pod but your senior year that penn state match when you are the one who actually clinches a 4-3 victory you know, that week after she died, it's just so incredible. And, you know, last time I'll mention, but fans, if you haven't seen Jaden's journey, go YouTube it. It's a 20 minute video, you know, maybe watch it while you're showering or doing whatever, but it'll be well worth your time. Um, I do want to take us back to that walk on year because I know that you played in a walk on tournament for a spot on the team. Is that true? Yes. Yes. So what, it, what's that like? Uh, that was, it was, it was, it was super nerve wracking for me because I was a freshman in college. I, I really wanted to play tennis. And if I wasn't going to play tennis at Michigan State University, I probably was would have gone somewhere else where I could have played. Um, so just to have that weighing in the balance uh, put a lot of pressure on me. And, and you were playing against guys who were, I mean, they're probably juniors or seniors. They played on the club team. They, play high, they played high school tennis and were pretty good players, but are just out there kind of seeing if they still have it and seeing what they got and Hey, they could get a, a spot on the team. So that was, <laughs> I mean, incredibly nerve wracking, especially because the players were pretty dang good players, but any just, names I would recognize. Uh, there was a guy named Matt Monick was a big one. Of course. Yeah. 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 He's a guy from Michigan. Yep. He was a guy from Michigan. His brother actually qualified for the NCAA tournament in doubles. Uh, yeah. In state. So the coach was familiar with him. Uh, obviously he had some good tennis in his blood and, and he had great hands. He was a servant bother as well. And I mean, we had a close match. Uh, another guy is Noah Rice who played for oh. Troy. I, Noah's my age. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Great guy. Played club. Exactly. Exactly. So he played club tennis and he would always play like ITAs in the summer. And, and he would always have these college kids on the rope that played for uh, varsity teams, but he's just kind of played club tennis. So these guys were good tennis players. And, and obviously being a freshman with all the pressure that I put on myself to play collegiately. And I really wanted to be there and I really wanted to do it. And there was a lot going through my head and I almost lost the matches, but ended up, ended up pulling it out. And I guess the rest is history. 
No kidding. And you talk about, you know, joining the team your freshman year, you were primarily at two doubles, uh, didn't quite crack the singles lineup, but still playing. And for our fans who don't know in that time, doubles was a pro set up to eight, not the one set no ad you see now. Uh, what was that transition to college tennis like? As you mentioned, Big Ten, a high level of play. It, it must have been a jump. Yeah, it was definitely a jump. Um, I think the biggest thing that helped me out is is we have a phrase within Michigan State University, uh, iron sharpens iron. And the big thing for me was that I, I felt like I finally had really good hitting partners every single day. Uh, so that really prepared me for the matches. But I'll tell you that's what. That's a shot at Adam. That's a shot at your brothers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, uh yeah, so I think that was really helpful for me. And then, I mean, there's just nothing that compare compares to a college dual match. Just especially if you're only in doubles. I mean, you have now it's even shorter with no ad and six games. Back then, it was an eight game pro set, and and I mean, ninety percent of the time, the team that gets the first break wins. So that was that was super tough. And in just finding an optimal, I guess temperature is what we used to call it. We have our optimal temperature. How fired up do you need to be? Do you want to be? I mean, we had some guys on our team that were bouncing off the walls. Guys, some other guys were like listening to meditation music and doing yoga and relaxing, you know. So finding that balance was probably the biggest jump for me because, I mean, <laughs> see, I mean, obviously, I, I really envisioned myself and thought of myself as a good player. But seeing the Big Ten schools uh, logos across the net, I mean, it brings in a lot of doubt because these teams are really good. And, and you got to have a certain type of belief and, and just kind of operate with that chip on your shoulder in order to take those matches. And you're absolutely right. And I was at a match this weekend. It was uh, the Michigan was hosting their regional, and I think it was you know 250 people at least after graduation's already passed. And like you mentioned, that enthusiasm, the crowds rocking, people are chirping. You don't see that elsewhere in tennis. And yeah. you know, I, 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 having been a spectator, I can only imagine what it's like playing. Uh, yeah. You know, you talk about that freshman year or something, but then you're, you know, your sophomore year, your team has an incredible run, you know, such a deep lineup that year. And I actually trained at the same place as JP Mullane. So I remember his, his freshman year just hearing stories of him rocking and, you know, yeah. we, can, we can share JP stories, you know, later <laughs> on if we want, but I, I can only imagine. Uh, yeah. Just, you know, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. <laughs> Oh, well, then we're definitely doing a JP segment after this. But let's talk about that sophomore year because you guys do qualify for NCAAs. You know, by that time, you're playing six singles and, you know, one and two doubles. Uh, just, what was that year like? What was that run? How special was that team? Um, it, it, it's so crazy um, because that team was ended up doing having one of the best seasons in Michigan State history. Um, and obviously, it was a really big uh I mean, part of my college tennis career with qualifying for NCAAs um, as a team and, and just having that uh, competitive atmosphere and that competitive of a team was was unbelievable. I actually really, really struggled that year. I It was my second year on the team. I kind of, as a walk-on, felt like my first year was kind of testing the waters. My second year, I was going to accelerate right through it. I was going to play in the lineup right away. I was going to win matches. I was going to prove myself. Uh, and it didn't really end up that way. Uh, for me, I I didn't get into the singles lineup until about Big Ten season. Uh, ended up getting somebody got injured, and I played against U of M, and I lost a tight three ma uh, three set match, and I kind of just went from there and, and and ended up solidifying my spot in the lineup and and picked up some pretty good wins. But I just I just think that that team uh, number one we were incredibly disciplined. We really knew what we wanted to do because 
the two years before that, we ended up about like 50 some in the rankings. So we were just outside of that bubble for the NCAA tournament. And uh, we had great leaders on the team, guys like Aaron Fister and Drew Lee, who really like, I mean, from the year before when the season ended, they were like, man, we are doing it this year. We are going to get NCAAs. We're going to qualify. We're going to do big things. And uh, it just worked out, you know. And then there were a lot of matches that we probably should have lost, but you end up, I mean, on a team like that with great leadership and great camaraderie, you end up playing for your brothers and, and you do crazy things like come back from five, one in a third set, uh, when the match is on the line, uh, and, 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 and those moments happen, but they, they didn't happen on the court. They happened in the weight room. They happened while we were hanging out on the bus and, and things like that. So it was, it was really cool. And to this day, I'm still very close with just about everybody on that team. I mean, so you talk about, you know, that five, one in the third, or I don't know if that's a specific moment you're referencing, but I do want to ask, you know, that year in the Big Ten tournament, you guys are playing Nebraska yeah. at that time. You're 45 in the country, you know, right on that edge of the NCAA bubble. And it comes down to a match at six singles where, you know, yours truly, Harry Jadun, is playing and, you know, you win that first set 6-3, lose the second 6-7. Uh, when it comes down to you in a moment like that, you know, the pressure's on and, you know all these things are there what prepares you for that moment i think i think for me um we call them hard yards at michigan state but just all those all those early morning workouts all those sprint workouts where you kind of take take the gas off the pedal at the end but we always finish through um that's just something that 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 really helps you in those moments and and when you finish stuff like workouts and you finish everything else in life and 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 you get on the opportunity on the court to finish the match, you it just works out. And and honestly, when I said five one in the third set, I was actually talking about Drew Lead, who was in that Nebraska <laughs> match when we were on the bubble. Uh, he was down five one against a, a very good Nebraska player, and I think the player hit like a big serve and hit a good plus one ball. And Drew just kind of made a stab at it and and ended up hitting the net court. Uh, Drew got the point, ended up going to Deuce, he won that game, and then ended up coming all the way back to win at 7-5. Uh, so, again, that helped me a lot because their team thought they had it wrapped up. The guy that I was playing against was kind of peeking over, seeing how his buddy was doing, seeing if he would even have to finish his match because the Big Ten tournament plays so clinch. So just that momentum from, from Drew's match and, and the other matches going on was was super helpful. But it was it was a crazy match because at about, I think it was two all in the third set, we had a, uh, not a water break, we had a uh, rain delay. So, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you guys go indoors? No, we ended, we ended up staying outside for about 35 minutes. We're both. <laughs> I'm the last match on. I'm kind of hanging out for like 35 minutes. Um, obviously, I've looked at the rankings. I know the stakes of the match. If we lose, we're out of the NCAA tournament. If we win, we have a shot. So that was that was nerve wracking. But um, I mean, just the support from my team and, and all the work that I put in helped me out a ton. Oh, I, I can only imagine, and I have to ask, you know, when you're shooting with the uh, 2013 or 2012 2013 team, you know, do you say, "Hey guys, you know, I'm still the only player in Michigan State history to uh, win a match in the NCAA team tournament"? Talking about your win over Tulsa, you know, in that first round. Yeah, I, I honestly don't bring it up that much, but I am, <laughs> I am working my tail off to, to change that fact so we get there just by every year and we're winning dual matches rather than just winning individual matches in the tournament well, I like to, that's a great mindset to have of course if Gene's listening that answer was for you uh, <laughs> off the, but off the record you mentioned it all the time um, oh yeah for sure, for sure. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah no, of course 
never mentioned the fact that I was an All-American in Rooster Semifinals. <laughs> yeah, that, that would make a terrible... Re- yeah, if I was at Kalamazoo and you were making a recruiting pitch to me, that'd be horrible. Yeah. But exactly. don't ever bring that up. Uh, yeah. But it's time for the JP Love Affair portion of this podcast. Obviously, we bring up that senior year, and you know you have this magical run in doubles. You qualify for the NCAA tournament with JP. I believe you guys go nineteen and five on the year, something crazy like that, yeah. and just you know, a, you know, you knock out the number two team in the country, Ryan Shane and Luca Corintelli. Uh, you know, how special was that run as the culmination of your time as a player at Michigan State? It's 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 unbelievable. Uh, it was it was literally. Um, I remember me and JP kind of got to the tournament. We drew the three seeds. We were Ryan Chain and Luca Corintelli, both the great players. Um, one of them was playing professionally, another one's coaching. Uh, but uh, I mean, we 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 had packed luggage for about four or five days. <laughs> but but honestly, we only took out one outfit because we were like, man. I, I I mean, obviously we believe in ourselves, but we could, we were kind of doubting with that draw. Uh, and we ended up just. And, and it didn't help that every every practice that we played at Waco, which was where NCAA was, we got our butts kicked. We played against the South Carolina team in practice. <laughs> we played against the Lamar team in practice. We played against the Alabama team in practice. And we got our butts kicked. Uh, and uh, something clicked, you know, something clicked. Uh, and, and we kind of just ran off with the first set. I think we won the first set 6-1 or something like that. And and then, and then you get a little bit of belief, and then you keep playing. And, and you mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, you don't call it main madness for nothing. Uh, <laughs> we ended up winning that match, going on to win a few more. Uh, I mean, we lost to Texas Tech in the semifinals. That team was pretty good, but I felt like we had a little bit left in the tank, and I wish we would have finished the dang thing. I mean, I was rooting for you. If JP would have gotten uh, you as well, but if you guys would have gotten a wild card to the U.S. Open, that would have been freaking nuts. It would have been as if I got the wild card. So you know I was pulling for you. Uh, you know, you, you stack up all these things you've accomplished. Obviously, first, that Michigan State team in history to make the NCAA tournament. You and JP becoming the second and third All-Americans in program history. Um and then, you know, this third thing that really sticks out, that match at Penn State, like we talked about, a match where, you know, that was the week after your mother had passed away, and you guys come back, you clinch the match for the team, uh, you know, in the third set. Just where do all of those things rank up when you look back at your time at State? <laughs> Man. Yeah, no pressure here. It's like 16 minutes. I'm going I'm I'm to go ahead and say that that, that early morning workout on a random Monday in the middle of the of the winter. Oh the- my gosh! This <laughs> is a Michigan State recruiting pitch. Get out yeah. of here! Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I'd say, man, that's that's a great question. Uh, I'd say the the Penn State match would be number one, and and being an All American is great, and 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 it's all fun and to talk about it, but just having the ability to not, not only play in a match that's dedicated to my mom, but but to end up. I mean, I got great teammates because they ended up making a three off for me. Uh, but to have <laughs> that match was unbelievable, and and it was it was literally like a fairy tale ending to the to the week. Obviously, it was pretty tough with my mom passing in the middle of the season, and that definitely impacted me. But that was that was definitely number one. Oh, I can only imagine such a special moment, and you know, all of those matches. Anytime it comes down to three all college tennis, you know, when it's that special moment, it's so enjoyable to watch. And you know, before we transition into your you know coaching career, which uh, as you mentioned is thriving, that makes me feel old. That makes me feel old. 
<laughs> but I, I apologize for that. You're what, 25, 26? Yeah, I'm 20. I'm 24. I'm 24. <laughs> I was saying, I'm at the point in my life where I kind of have to think about it for like two or three seconds, do a little <laughs> bit of math. And I'm like, oh, wait a second. I'm not as old as I thought I was. <laughs> You're at the point where birthdays are no longer fun to celebrate. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I feel you. Uh, but, I, I, you know, part of the reason we love college tennis so much, as you've mentioned, the camaraderie, uh, just the things you're able to see between teammates, the connections that are made, it's what makes the sport so special. And so I have a couple of fun rapid-fire questions I want to ask you about your Michigan State team uh, and particularly the teammates you had over the course of your four years. And, you know, if you want to throw current players under the bus as well, totally fine with me. But, but so let's rock and roll. Okay. Best teammate, best teammate to go out with? Dennis Bogatov. I, 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 I kid you not. <laughs> I, I think every answer we're going to get here is Dennis Bogatov because that kid is awesome. That guy is, that guy is, he is such an interesting guy and, and doesn't operate in, in, in the way that normal people do. He's, he's a different breed. <laughs> okay, well then the natural transition is biggest hook. Is it still him? <laughs> no, that's not him. That would be, uh, I love you, Drew Lee, but that's you. <laughs> me and Drew Lead almost came to blows a few times and he thought I was hooking him I thought he was hooking me and we got into it there are some practice battles I love it but that's yes. half the fun uh, best trash talker can I give you a nap well if you're going to say your dad totally fair because I saw him in action no uh, man I that's a tough one I would say JP Mullane I mean JP could <laughs> we would play pickup basketball with like the golf team at Michigan State and like two baskets into the game he's our like fist fighting somebody and <laughs> the whole team the whole tennis team is like i don't even know this guy like who, who, how did he get in here <laughs> he comes out with his ponytail and just the <laughs> hair working i i thought i was at a match where he was playing sean bernstein uh, the former michigan player and i thought he was about to tomahawk his racket at him it was yeah. just it was incredible uh, okay who's the cheapest member of the team heist linders he was a he was like <laughs> and he won't like me saying that but to this day, this guy is this guy is an accountant with PwC, and he will not pick up the tab at dinner or at the bar. <laughs> oh, I love it! And then my last Michigan State related question: which match which match gets you guys more amped? Michigan, Ohio State, or any other Big Ten foe? Can I give my politically correct answer? No. All right, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's Michigan hands down, especially with. Uh, Especially with what Sean Mamie and, and Adam Bernstein have been able to do with that program, we absolutely love the shot of, of going against those guys and trying to get the upset. Um, I think they're they've done a really good job, and, and we aspire to be at the spot where we're in the top ten as well one day, and we're competing there with them. Uh, but they're 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 awesome to play, um, and and to have the interest like the the uh, fumbled snap where Jalen Watson Jalen Watson Jackson picked it up. Uh, to that, and I was in Ann Arbor when that football play was made. I may or may not have gotten kicked out of a few bars for trying to start some trash talking in Ann Arbor <laughs> after that game. Of course, that was before you were a university employee. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, well, my equivalent of that is Davis Long getting overruled against Michigan in this year's match. Just kidding, Davis. You're my guy. Uh, just just joking around. It happens to all of us. Uh, but speaking of which, I want to transition into your coaching career. You know, there's a blog on playerdevelopment.usda.com by one Harry Jaden saying, growing up, I never dreamed that I would coach tennis. Uh, you know, that's a quick clip, but 
you know, what changed, what, what attracted you to staying at Michigan state and, you know, hopping into the field of coaching? I, I, I mean, honestly, when I graduated college, I mean, from college, I, I thought I would never pick up a tennis racket. I mean, obviously having going out in the semis of the NCAAs, I felt like I went out on top and, uh, I ended up traveling a little bit, lived with, uh, my girlfriend in Spain for about four or five months. And, uh, I thought I was shout out to Harry's girlfriend, of course. Yeah, exactly, Rachel. She's upstairs studying for her uh, uh, PhD thesis right now. Um, Good luck to her. Yeah, yeah she's going to need it. But uh, <laughs> and back to East Lansing, and, and there was something that just kind of pulled me back to that indoor tennis facility uh, with all the green and white on it, and just the, I think it was really the family atmosphere that Coach Orlando's created, and 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 we're at a spot, really good spot with our program right now, where we're we're building something, you know, we're starting from the ground up building foundations and every year we're kind of adding a layer, adding a layer, adding a layer. And I think that's a lot of fun. I'm, I mean, just like, I think this is kind of a synopsis of my story, but I mean, me walking out at Michigan state and just saying, man, I don't care what other people say. I don't care where I'm supposed to be. We're going to build, we're going to build. I'm going to get better. I'm going to get better. This team's going to get better. So it's the same type of idea. I, I love where we're at. Some people on the outside may look at it and say, well, they, they've got a long ways to go. But I, I just love that building and, and making our own name. You know, I don't want to jump on somebody else's bandwagon. I want to put the dang wheels on and I want to get this thing rolling. Oh, I love to hear it. I mean, I, when Michigan has two incredible tennis programs, that would be great for just tennis in the state. And so you can tell, you know, you have such a, a young team this year. And I'm just curious, when you go into rooms as someone who has played and is now recruiting these players, you know, what's your pitch? Uh, you know, despite being a Michigan guy, give me that two-minute pitch on why players should go to state. Yeah, I think, I think number one, uh, you have an opportunity to, to – to create a program and be a huge uh, stepping stone for our program and really build it up, build it up, build it up. I, I felt that personally when we qualified for NCAAs and I felt like we were really gaining a lot of momentum. Obviously we kind of halted. Uh, we had some tough departures, tough injuries and things like that. But I mean, it takes a special type of person. It takes a Spartan. Um, and, and just like coach Izzo has done on the basketball team or coach D'Antonio has done on the football team, you may not get the best recruits, but, we're going to get the right guys in. They're going to work their tails off, and we're going to get better every single day, every single day. So we talk about having a chip on your shoulder a lot within our program. So that's kind of what we look for. And and we don't care if you're the blue chip, five-star, whatever you want. If you're willing to kind of put on a hard hat and go to work, we're the place to be. You know, Harry, I cannot state this enough. Thank you so much for coming on this podcast. You're incredibly candid, and you know, your story is so inspiring for all of us tennis fans out there. So really appreciate you taking the time to do this. No, Alex, thanks for having me. It's a privilege to be here, and uh, wouldn't be a podcast if I didn't end it with a go green. <laughs> I like it, and, you know, I might have to have you on one more time just because, you know, I, I'm always looking for new co-hosts, so maybe after NCAs we'll get together and we, I can get a coach's perspective on what went down. Absolutely. That would be awesome. Thanks a bunch, Alex. Yeah, awesome. Take care, Harry. Yep, yep. Thanks again, Cracked fans, for listening to our interview with Michigan State assistant coach Harry Jaden. You know, for a guy to overcome what he has in his past, obviously with his mom having Alzheimer's and then passing away and 
for him to come back and clinch the match. That was actually his first match back since her passing away his senior year. Uh, just an incredible story. And it's the type of thing that all of us love about college tennis and what makes it, you know, one of our favorite parts of the game. So really appreciate you sticking around. If you like that interview, I mentioned this before. Go check out our other interviews. We've got interviews with Ohio State's Mikhail Torpegard, Wake Forest's Petros Frisokos talking about their teams and why they can win the NCAAs. Of course, we've got the pro players as well. Dennis Kudla, Tommy Paul, Taylor Fritz, anyone you could want to hear from really. And, you know, if you liked my voice enough, go check out the Great Shot podcast as well. And, you know, tell your friends, like, subscribe, leave reviews, leave comments. We'd love to have a chat with you guys. You know, go check out the website. Set it as your homepage. You know, why not? Start your morning with a nice little tennis update. You know, it's a reward for yourself. It's a reward for all of your friends around you when you can tell them the up-to-date ATP Tour results. So, yeah, just go check that out. But, but one last time, thank you, fans, for sticking around. And as always, shout out to the magician himself, Daniel Westoff, who makes me sound much better than I actually do. So thank you, Westoff. And one last time, for myself, Alex Gruskin, for our super producers and everyone at Cracked Rackets, we'll see you next time, guys. Take care. You will be good, but you will be